to greet you in Jesus' name this morning. Yeah, I still preach here. Seems like it's been a long time, but we uh, want to listen to God's message here this morning. In our Sunday school, we, we touched on a few things and the direction we're going to go this morning and the weeks, in the last week or so, I was just trying to imagine being born in the era before Jesus' birth. You know, especially in the last maybe 50 years, you know, they had the prophecies of his coming, he anticipated his arrival to bring this peace and this freedom that we already heard about from oppression and him to reign as king. And at the same time, there was a religious system that was emerging from the leaders, adding their own agenda to what God had required of them, and in a way were oppressing those they were leading. And we know these last few hundred years, before Christ were known as the dark times in uh, the history of God's people, And many had their eyes darkened when Jesus actually came, and they missed him. But God had given his people detailed information on how to serve him through that time, and also detailed information for the birth of Jesus, so that if they studied it and believed, they would be able to recognize him when he was born. And if I would have lived, if I'd find myself in that time, in the drone of that religious establishment, possibly many different views of that were taught and discussed on how Jesus would actually come, and what his reign would be like, would he be a mighty king that would win every war that he fought, would he bring peace to the world forever? Or maybe he would come and confirm the way that we're doing things, that it was correct and would make us rulers in his kingdom. And as I reflected over these things, I had to wonder how much different was this than us waiting for Christ's second return. Will I be found watching and waiting in great anticipation? Will I be found lost in a religious system that is self-focused and does not keep Christ's return in the forefront? Will I be found a skeptic that will not prepare till I see each thing fall into place that fits the narrative of how I interpret it, how I interpret the scripture? Will I be so busy that when I'll be found, sorry, will I be found so busy with my own things that I failed to even consider Christ's return. Or will be found not even believing that God is going to bring an end to this time and that things will keep going on just as they did with our ancestors. And this subject could be a sermon in itself, but I don't plan to go there this morning. 
but we're going to be looking at the lives of a few people that we have recorded in the Bible and the the example that they left for us. And while I might make a few comments in comparison to us in Christ's second coming, I would just like us to keep that in mind as as we look at these people that were living in a time when they were anticipating the birth of Christ. And as we live in a time anticipating Christ's return. And I changed the title a few times and I uh, titled it Awaiting Christ or Christmas. Awaiting Christ or Christmas. And I didn't put Christmas in here as a as a negative, but as something to consider. I really enjoy this time and this time of year and, and God had Luke write out the Christmas story in these in this very detailed way with the wise men and the uh, angels, Jesus' birth in the manger. But but Christmas, if you actually look up the meaning of Christmas, it is a celebration and a festival that takes place. And originally it was about the birth of Christ. But how many remember the reason that we celebrate, celebrate Christmas? Why did so many Jews miss Jesus when he was born and through his ministry? Was it because their focus has shifted from awaiting Christ's birth to actually being totally content in their religious practices that they didn't want anything to do? They didn't want anything to change. And they were not ready to step aside and point to Jesus as the way because to do that was to do as John the Baptist did and show others Jesus when he said, Behold the Lamb. And today we are still awaiting Christ, not his birth, but his second return. And it is even more important to be ready when he does come. And do our children know that everything we do is in light of Christ's return? Or am I caught up in all the other world celebrations and goals? And this is the Christmas that I'm referring to, not the birth of Christ, but the celebrations the world's goals and glamour and celebrations that are going around on around us that we can get so uh, involved in and tied up in that we forget the return of Christ. <clears throat> you can turn to Luke 1. Now, as best as I looked at the characters in this chapter and what is recorded about them, and we can still learn from them as we await Christ's second return. And I also really appreciate the way Luke opened the letter to Theopolis. He had a, a deep desire that he would understand the truth of what the eyewitnesses, those that spend time with Christ, what they recorded from walking with him and hearing Jesus teach. And he acknowledged that there's many writings that Theopolis has already uh, read or, or seen or heard. 
that many others have written as well. But Luke went on to give a very detailed letter, one that covered details that most of the others didn't. I don't know if they didn't feel they were necessary, but when you're living in the moment, you, you kind of forget or you realize that every about everybody around you already knows what had just taken place. Christ's birth and, and all these things. But Luke seemed to have something something more that he wanted to preserve for us yet today as he as he wrote to Theopolis. And he says that thou mightest know the certainty of these things. And I too am going to do a lot of reading this morning. We're going to be covering the three people in this chapter. And I'm going to start reading at verse 5, reading down to 38. Luke 1, 5 to 38. There was in the days of Herod the king of Judea a certain priest named Zachariah, Zacharias of the course of Abiah. And his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. And they had no child, because that Elizabeth was barren, and they both were now well stricken in years. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zacharias said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife well stricken in years. And the angel answered and saith unto him, I am Gabriel, that stand in the presence of God, and am sent to speak unto thee, to show thee these glad tidings. And behold, thou shalt be dumb, and not able to speak unto the day that these things shall be performed, because thou believest not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. And the people waited for Zacharias, and marveled that he tarried so long in the temple. And when he came out, he could not speak unto them, and they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned unto them and remained speechless. And it came to pass that as soon as the days of his ministration were accomplished, he departed to his own house. And after those days, and after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and hid herself five months, saying, Thus hath the Lord dealt with me in the days wherein he hath looked on me, to take away my reproach among men. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth, 
to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. <clears throat> and the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art high, hail, thou art that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great. And shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Son of God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom shall there be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the Highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. We're going to go through this, these verses with making a few points, some observations on, on these people that were mentioned in here. And point number one was why Zacharias? Why did God choose to visit Zacharias over any of the other priests at that time? And we don't have, maybe have an exact answer to that. But this chapter does give us some some things to consider. <clears throat> now, Zacharias was born in the the priestly line, which required him to serve in the temple. You know, to do the things that were possibly mundane and unimportant, but that at the same time needed to be done. And I. And I had to wonder, is it possible that Zacharias at times wished that he could have been born into a different family? You know, the only thing he probably remembered was his father and grandfather serving at the temple when their time came, serving their week. And Zacharias was part of the uh, the 8th Division of Priests. If you, um, I'm not sure if it's, I think it's listed somewhere in the Bible. I found it online, and it gives all the names of the families. And Zacharias was uh, the family of Abiah. It would have been the 8th division. And there's 24 divisions of priests that served in the temple in Jerusalem. <clears throat> and this group of men that served would be called to serve there 24, one, uh, twice in a year, every 24 weeks, their turn would have came up. So basically twice a year, they, they found themselves at the temple doing the, the duties there. Otherwise, they would be at their hometown, which most likely was outside of Jerusalem somewhere. But they would, 
in their week, they would all go, and I, I tried to find how many priests would have went to the temple at one time, and I, I didn't come up with a good number, but I think it was was quite a few. It would have been the entire family lines to uh, help with the the uh, all the services and offerings, and even down to cleaning the uh, chambers and things that the priests stayed in when they when they were there. So there was a, a large variation of jobs that needed to be done in that week of their service. It wasn't just high priestly duties of uh, offerings and, and sacrifices. <clears throat> and I, as I said before, I, I wondered if he ever ever wished he maybe would have been born into a family of farmers. You know, where they would actually own their own land and live there instead of this living in, in, uh, the towns that God provided for them, living off of other people, or maybe born into a kingly line. There were, maybe his dad could have been king and he could have inherited a throne from him. Or a carpenter family that he could learn a trade. But we, when we read through this this uh, this chapter here of Zacharias, we don't see any of that, but we do see that he was faithful where he was called, and this story happened as he was serving God in that way. And what about me? If God has placed me here at this time for a reason, and I being faithful. And where he has called me. And I had to think about our occupations. Do I find it a privilege to crawl in somebody, a customer's attic and dig through the dusty, itchy insulation to add a light that they've been looking so forward to having? You know, does this bring me joy to serve God by serving others in this way, in a mundane, everyday thing? What about those of you who deliver feed to the hog barns? most times you probably don't even meet anybody no one seems to appreciate it but you'll hear from them if it runs empty right but probably not if you keep feed in it what about the farmers up in the silo serving your cows is it even possible to find joy in that What about the youth and children? You're all just very content, satisfied where you are, right? Or maybe you wish you were born into a family that lived on a farm. Where you worked together, driving uh, tractors, operating equipment. Or maybe you wish you weren't where the animals tie you down a little more to your to that occupation. It's not as easy to get away. Or maybe you wish you were born into the Martin family where you could hang out at MBS when it's in session and go to those fun events. Verse 8, And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office, before God in the order of his course. 
Zacharias was willing to take his turn and go to the temple and do whatever was needed in that week. Because he was faithful where God called him, Zacharias encountered God in a very real way. When he went to serve that week, I don't know when this lot was cast, but I have a feeling he didn't know that it was going to be his turn to burn incense. <clears throat> this was a this was an opportunity that only happened once in a lifetime. And it was chosen by lot. And I, I also am not sure if it was for the entire week or if it was just one day. But when their turn when it was their turn, when the lot was, they were chosen by lot, they were to burn incense in the inner room of the temple next to the veil where the altar was placed in front of the veil that was the only thing that separated them and the presence of the Holy God. And I suspect he went not knowing if he was going to be cleaning, whether he was going to be leading singing, worship, burning sacrifices, or one of the many different jobs that he did. But this was his week for this highly anticipated job that he would do once in his lifetime. And at that time of incense, when he went into the temple to offer the incense over the altar, is when, when that angel came and spoke to him. And I'm not going to go into detail on what all took place there, but I want to encourage us to embrace our, our calling in our lives. And if you find yourself doubting that God has you here for this very time and for a purpose, you will most likely miss the blessing that God has for you. And I can tell you without a shadow of doubt that each one of us is here for a reason. And the question is, am I willing to be here for God and for Him to work in my life and fulfill that purpose? in any way, whether I recognize it or not. And it is not affected by what family I'm born into or in whatever things that I face, but it's all in the attitude towards fulfilling that call. You know, Zacharias was not serving in the temple and doing these things so that he could be the father of John the Baptist. But God saw his faithfulness and blessed him for that. Was he really any different than the other men that he served with? We don't know for sure. But we do know a little bit about Zacharias and Elizabeth and their relationship with God. And this could make all the difference with my relationship with God when he sends Jesus back for those who open themselves and for him to work in their lives. <clears throat> who was God looking for? Verses 5 and 6.
Remember in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abiah and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. So he was looking for somebody perfect. I don't think so. But they knew what God required of them and they kept those commandments to the best of their ability. It says they walked righteous before him. And I'm sure they fell short, as we all do. But that's not where we stop. We acknowledge where we fail and we repent. And each time we we receive that forgiveness, and I feel that is what, when we receive that forgiveness, that is what opens ourselves up to the power that changes us and we don't keep going back and falling into that same sin I think everyone's allowed to have one hobby horse and I'm told this is mine but verse 6 is what caught my attention and I just read it as walking in all the commandments and the ordinances of the Lord blameless Walking in or obeying in these things blamelessly. Obedience brings transformation. And this doesn't all happen at one time, as Richard talked about this morning. There's a, there's a slow progress that, process that happens as that caterpillar changes into a butterfly. But it doesn't stop, because if it stops, it died. It's a continual, it needs to continue. And it won't stop. <clears throat> and I don't know if this is too strong or not, but if Jesus didn't change you, I question whether you learned to know him. Not just to know who he is, but to know him personally. Am I all in? Or am I satisfied to be just barely in? I was talking to someone this week about another man's Christian walk and he made this comment that this person seems fine to be just so getting by, just barely in. And I hope we're not comfortable with that. In light of Christ's return for his bride, am I comfortable with being just barely in? I hope not. And as we go on and look at Mary, again, I don't think God was looking for the perfect young woman to be the mother of Jesus. But again, he was looking for someone that was willing to serve God in the time and the place that she found herself in. In verse 28 and 30. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And neither do I think that God just went out and randomly picked Mary or pulled names out of a basket. But I'm convinced that God tried her in other ways and she was faithful, always willing to do what God asked of her, even if they were small, insignificant things. Every day, mundane things, but always obedient. 
Because of this, God knew that she was willing to accept this call. And you might say, who wouldn't want to be the mother of the promised Messiah? And I'm sure this was her first response to the news. But as she considered what was going to need to take place for this to happen, and she kept asking questions of Gabriel, and he answered them, she, had to, she realized the pain and the humiliation that she would need to face. You know, Joseph wanted to end their relationship. Family and friends gossiping, treating them as outcasts for her being with child before they were married. But what was Mary's response? Verse 38, the last verse that I read. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. She was willing to bear the the pain and the shame and allow herself to be used by God in this way, the same as Jesus was, her son. And how did I respond to God's call in my life when God asked me to step out of my comfort zone, even when others might not support me, even when I can't see my way through clearly, what I might face between accepting the call and the fulfillment of it. Here I am, Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And God will never call you to do something than let you hang and watch you flounder. And that's a promise. Number three, unbelief will leave you speechless. Why was Mary's question accepted and Zacharias was reprimanded for his and punished? Mary's question in verse 34. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And I don't know if I have total understanding of this, but Mary had a legitimate reason for asking Gabriel her question. She was not married, and if these things that Gabriel told her were going to happen, she did need to know a few things moving forward that were bigger than her and took more wisdom to walk into than what she had. Asking God direction is always good. Challenging God's ability is not. And Zacharias, after listening to Gabriel tell him that he would become the father of this child, and this child was going to be special, he was going to prepare the way for the Messiah. And after listening to this angelic being have a direct, give a direct answer to his prayers that I'm sure he prayed for many years, he asked his question in verse 18. And Zacharias said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife well stricken in years. How should I believe you? Elizabeth and I are both old. Show me a sign or something 
that I can believe what you're saying. Verse 19 and 20. And the angel answered and said unto him, I am Gabriel. And here was his answer that he should believe. I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God. And I'm sent to speak unto thee and show thee these great tidings. And behold, thou shalt be dumb and not able to speak until the day that these things be performed. Because thou believest not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. And I believe many people will be speechless when Jesus returns. You know, now they ask the questions. Why should I believe what you tell me? Why would I want to give up my good life, my exciting life, to become to come under that oppression of following this religion of yours. Or show me a sign, or give me evidence, and maybe I'll believe. Then those that are speechless will be reminded of all the things that are evidence of a creator God that they chose not to follow or to believe in. And again, asking for direction or confirmation from God is okay. But to question his ability to accomplish his plan in your life is not. He already knows the outcome before he calls you. And we can rest in that fact that he will be with us each step of the way, whether it is easy or whether it's hard. Number four. Prayer is essential in our relationship with God. In verse 13, But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. Be careful what you pray for. For if you do not believe that God can answer the prayer, or you are not willing to go all the way with God. And again, I'm quite certain that Zacharias and Elizabeth both prayed for children. And it is possible that this prayer continued into their old age. And now when the prayer is answered by the angel, Zacharias started thinking about how impossible this really is, and he began to doubt. Do I ask God to lead me where he wants me and to use me in whatever way he sees best? Now when God calls me, what is my response? Is it, wait a minute, God. That's impossible. I thought you knew me and know what my limits are. What do you ask me to do something that I'm not capable of doing? When we deny God's ability to work for me, I will become speechless. It is a silencing of the Holy Spirit from speaking and working through me. Each time we close ourselves to God, the more distance that relationship comes becomes. And as we distance ourselves, less likely we will be to hear the Holy Spirit. But we'll become more self-focused like we talked about in the beginning, rather than willing to be used and stretched, lifeless and speechless in the work of the Lord. As I thought about how Zacharias was blessed for his prayers, I 
was convicted in my own prayer life. Do I really think about who God is in the way that I should? Or am I always self-focused in my prayers? And do my prayers reflect my desire to spend eternity with the one I'm praying to? And I had to admit that God sometimes feels like he's someone out there. Maybe someone that my relationship tends to be a little bit distant. And I was challenged with an article in Cam's Billboard Evangelism folder, a man that had called in, he was living in sin. And he accepted Christ. And his following comments after that was he didn't know how to pray. So he just started having a conversation with God like he would with a friend. And it was a challenge to me. You know, do I hold conversations with God like he is a friend? And this friendship should be based on what he already did for me and what he will still do, continue to do. And am I looking forward to spending eternity with him when Christ returns for us? And does he know that? A friend will know that. Number five, our last point. Not I, but Christ in me. <clears throat> as, I, as I read different thoughts, different commentaries on some of these verses, I was uh, both surprised when it said that these words that Mary spoke in this chapter are her last recorded words in the Bible. And I didn't take the time to, to research this, but I... I suppose it may be true. Her name is mentioned different times, but uh, not the words, not words that she would have spoken. And if you read through the rest of the chapter that I didn't read, we have an interchange between Elizabeth and Mary, and Elizabeth pronounced the blessing on Mary that she would be the mother of Jesus and the Savior of the world, and that is the last we hear from Elizabeth till she announced that her, her baby will be named John and then she leaves the scene. And there, I don't know if there's any, any things that I missed or not with these people, but I can be corrected in that. And Mary followed these verses with uh, a song of praise and prophecy of this wonderful thing that was taking place. And then it says she went to her own home and waited for God to work in his timing in verse 56. And Mary abode with her about three months with Elizabeth and returned to her own house. And that's the last we hear from Mary. And Mary's given a lot of attention today for her part in Jesus' birth. And this already happened when Jesus was still in his ministry. And this is how he responded. And I think Luke 11, verse 27, says, A certain woman in the company lifted up her voice and said unto him, Blessed is the womb that bare thee. And then Jesus responds in the following verse. But he said, Yea, rather, blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. Mary was the same as you and me. She did recognize the fact that she was a blessed person 
to be able to be the mother of Jesus. And she voiced that in her song. But her praise always turned and went back to God. And Zacharias, after seeing the vision and receiving the wonderful news from Gabriel, completed his time at the temple, then went home. Verse 23, And it came to pass that as soon as the days of his ministration were accomplished, he departed to his own house. You know, we don't see anything about what he experienced being used in any way to glorify himself or to put himself in a position that he would receive the praise. He not only accepted his calling as a priest, but after his vision, he still seen it important to finish his job, to finish that week of duty, and then go home to his hometown and await God's uh, miracle that was going to take place. And after he announced that his baby's name is John, he was able to talk again and he prophesied about the wonderful things that God was going to do through his son and how he was not the Messiah, but he was born to prepare the way for the Messiah. And that's the last we hear from Zechariah. These people played a very important role in what we call Christmas. Christ's birth. But they were just like you and me and they understood that they were just a part of a bigger, God's bigger plan and they accepted that. Not I, but Christ in me. And God continues to choose and use His redeemed but unperfect people to fulfill His will here on earth. And He's still doing that. And as we make ourselves available to God, He will use us in whatever way He needs us. And whether, whatever this is, whether big or small, it must only be for His glory and not I, but Christ. And everyone that opens himself to God for His purpose will be used in some way. God created you to be here in 2023. And He created you to be here at this time for a purpose. And that purpose is not about us, but it's about Him and His will. Open yourself to Him and you will be blessed. Let's kneel for prayer. Father in Heaven, we come to You this morning just thanking you for this the stories that we have in Luke Lord the preparation of your son Jesus through these people who were just like us Lord who were willing to be used Lord to be shamed and humiliated for your purpose for a greater purpose and then Lord they were humble enough to step off the scene and to Allow Jesus to come forward and to be who you wanted him to be, to be our Savior, and to be the one that the people followed and not them. And Lord, just help us to be that way, Lord, that we can allow ourselves to be used, but only through you, 
and not through us, and for your purpose only, and not ours. And Lord, I just pray as we go through the Christmas season, the upcoming days, Lord, that we can remember the birth of Christ, and also, Lord, the return of Christ, that we can be prepared, that we can be ready. Lord, in anticipation of spending that time in eternity with you. So, Lord, just bless each one that has come out here today and bless those that were not here, that they too could find a blessing in worshiping you elsewhere. And, Lord, just be with our entire day that all we do can honor and glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen.